When shoes and clothes and food, when hope is gone, we'll all have the rifle. It was John Steinbeck in The Grapes of Wrath. Hello, and welcome to The Everyday Marksman. This is episode number 30. I am happy to have you here. This is the podcast where it is all about tactical skills for living a more adventurous life. I'm your host, Matt Robertson, military officer turned tech sector, corporate grunt, outdoors enthusiast, competition shooter, an okay competition shooter, and most importantly, your friend. Our website is everydaymarksman.co, and there you're going to find the show notes to this episode, as well as all the other episodes, our articles, our, our awesome community of marksmen, the marksman challenges, and all the cool stuff that we've got going on here at The Everyday Marksman. So welcome. If you are new to the show, then this episode is perfect for you. This is a really quick intro into my thoughts on a general purpose AR-15, the one that I think most people should start with as their first rifle or first AR. So why am I talking about it in this episode? Well, I'm recording this right at the end of April, and we are still in the midst of this COVID-19 epidemic, crisis, pandemic, hoax, whatever you want to call it, but the world has gone a little bit crazy. And I don't know if you've been reading the articles, but gun sales are way up. People are panic buying everything in sight in a way that I haven't seen in, oh, since 2012, 2013. It is madness out there. And that means there are a lot of new gun owners out there who don't have a whole lot of background and just new direction to go in. And this episode is for them. And if that's you, this episode is for you. If you're a longtime listener, welcome. I'm sure this will not be anything new for you to hear because I know I've written a lot of articles on this topic. So you can share this episode with somebody else who is brand new. All right, so let's get to it. Before I get any further into this, let me kind of do a disclaimer here about my background. I do not claim to be an expert. All right. I, yes, I say I'm a military officer, which is true. I operated nuclear weapons. I was much more that underground in the bunker kind of guy. And I let the young 18 year olds automatic weapons do my defending. All right. Otherwise known as a pogue, I guess. All right. But that doesn't mean I don't have some thoughts about things. Because even though I'm not a combat veteran, I do enjoy competition. And I'm a little bit obsessive about learning information. And that is really the whole point to what I do here at the Everyday Marksman is I collect all of these experts in the world. I ask them questions. I get information. I write about it. And I share it with people because people should know. All right. So just know that's the direction I'm coming from. It's coming from an angle of a lot of research, a lot of just practice of what works for me, some competition, and then learning from the experts. All right. Sound good? Let's talk about it. People who've been around with me for a while know I have something called the minimum capable carbine. And that is my suggestion as a kind of format that most people should start with. It's a generic, high quality, but capable weapon that's not really particularly good at any one thing, but does a lot of other things pretty well. And my suggestion for people is to start with something like that because it grows with you. The more you shoot it, the better you get, the more you learn how you want to use your weapon. And that informs the decisions you make later on. When it comes time to swap out a barrel, 
Now you know how you want to use it. If it comes time to better optics, you know what kind of optic you prefer for close range, mid range, long range, you know the kind of shooting you want to do. All right, so I advocate this start generic and then work your way up as you gain experience. Now I know that is a hard thing to bite on because most people who are just like me when I got started have already looked at a lot of pictures on the internet and decided what we want. We see some sexy pictures of dude wearing multicam carrying a recce rifle or a Mark 18 or looking at vintage GWAT pictures of the Mark 12 special purpose rifle. I get it. They look awesome. But just because they look awesome doesn't mean they're going to work great for you. And yes, I'm waving my hands in the air like a crazy person right now. Imagine that you can see me as I'm emphasizing these words. Here's the truth, and it's the truth that most marketers don't want you to know, and I have a whole episode about that. A standard basic rifle is extremely capable. In fact, I have seen reports of factory Colt barrels being able to shoot at one MOA or better. When I say MOA, I mean minute of angle. All right, They'll be able to hold a one-inch group or better at 100 yards. That's accurate. That is sniper rifle accurate 50 years ago, all right? So we are talking very accurate, basic rifles. The limiting factor is the shooter. So the first rule of this one is to stop worrying about minutia. I see a lot of questions come through both in our own community and other message boards where people are doing the exact same thing I did and they're debating between two very subtle differences. Do I want the 16 inch barrel or do I want the 14 and a half inch barrel? Do I want the one everybody has? Or do I want the M4 length? And they will go back and forth, back and forth, all the little subtleties of, oh, that's going to be about 100 feet per second faster, which gets me this much extra range. All right, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> just, just don't do that to yourself. All right, go to the 16. It's an easier life for you at that point because you're not dealing with the NFA. And if you didn't want to deal with the NFA, you wanted to put a a pendant welded muzzle brake on there or flash hider so that you can make that 14 and a half inch barrel. What happens when you decide you want to change to a different flash hider or swap out your rails later on? Yes, you could go to a gunsmith and it's easy enough for them to undo that welding and pinning, but just make it easier on yourself. You're not getting that much of a performance difference for new shooters between a 16 inch barrel and a 14 and a half inch barrel. This comes down to how it works for professionals. All right. If you go back to my interview with Mike Keenan in PRS, he said something early in that interview that I think should stick with people. He shot through five barrels in one year. Five barrels. Granted, he is shooting a six millimeter Creedmoor, which is going to burn out barrels a little bit faster. So he's talking uh, four to 5,000 rounds before he burns out a barrel. But he's burning through five barrels in a year on a precision rifle. If you figure the average lifetime of a standard chrome-lined AR-15 barrel is about twenty to 25,000 rounds, Mike Keenan would be shooting one of those barrels every year. The average shooter is going to take years if they ever burn that barrel out. They're simply not shooting enough to develop the kind of skill a professional shooter has. So if you have a good high quality barrel that's capable of one minute of angle or one and a half minute of angle and you're shooting really good quality ammunition through it, but you yourself as a shooter are no better than four to five minutes of angle, then it does not make any sense 
to go spend an extra $300 for a nice stainless steel 416R cut rifle custom barrel. It's not going to help you. Even more so is ammunition. Okay, I see this all the time with new shooters. We spend a lot of money on a brand shiny new rifle and we get all the bells and whistles. And, you know, you take my advice, you spend about $1,200 on a brand new, really nice quality gun. And then we feed it the cheapest ammunition that we can find, (laughs) right? Because because I just spent all my money on the gun. I don't want to go spend another four or five hundred dollars on a thousand rounds of good ammo. No, I'm going to buy the cheapest bulk stuff that I can get. Cool. That works really good. (laughs) That works really well. Grammar is not my strong suit. That works really well for practice, for me going to the range and working fundamentals. But if I really want to squeeze out maximum accuracy, I'm going to have to spend probably a buck to a buck 50 per shot of a nice 77 grain open tip match. All right. Good ammo is expensive. And if you're not shooting good ammo, you're probably only, even if the gun can do one minute of angle and the ammo is only able to do four minutes of angle, you're still shooting four minutes of angle, regardless of what the gun can do. So there's two factors in there I just want to highlight because that kind of branches out into how we handle everything, right? All these little subtle differences from barrel length to barrel material or the kind of optic that I got, or the the very specific angle of the grip that I've got, or the way the stock works. Those things don't matter until you have gotten to the point as a shooter that it makes a difference. Okay, they don't matter. If you gave a 20-inch M16A4, the classic service rifle of the Marines, until they switched to the the HK416, still bitter about that one, but if you gave a full-length 20-inch rifle to a, to a member of a, a SEAL team who is specializing in clearing houses, and you gave average Joe Jim Bob a high-speed Mark 18 10.5-inch barrel and said, all right, you two, go through the shoot house. I'm pretty sure the SEAL is still going to win. <laughs> all right? The guy who puts in all the hours to practice all the correct techniques and really builds that skill set, he is still going to win versus the average Joe who has the rifle that's better tailored to that task. All right, let's not belabor that point. So what is the minimum capable carbine? Well, to me, it is a general purpose rifle that does a lot of things really well until I grow into more technical tasks. And what does that look like to me? Well, the bottom line of this one is that I suggest most people start with a 16-inch barrel, all right, chrome-lined. I like lightweight pencil barrels personally, but I'm just saying let's start basic. You can get 16-inch chrome-lined barrel, collapsible stock, good iron sights, and go from there. All right, now, quality manufacturer here, so I'm not saying don't go bargain bin on this one, but I'm not saying you have to go Knight's Armament either. You can go for... Just good all-around quality like Bravo Company USA, Psionics, Aero Precision's actually got a pretty good reputation. There's a lot of good brands out there that aren't going to totally break the bank on you, all right? And they're going to work well. And then, rather than going to spend a ton of money on all these accessories that you're not really able to take advantage of yet, start with the basics. I actually asked a bunch of our community members what they think the most important upgrades to a rifle are. All right, so let's assume that you already have a good set of iron sights on your rifle. What are the things you should do next? Well, according to my MCC concept, everybody pretty much fell in line. Number one, 
a sling. Or a sling is is like the multi-tool of the rifle world. On one end of it, it helps you with marksmanship, especially if it's a shooter sling that latches around your arm. It makes you more accurate. There's a lot of techniques you can do with that that are going to help steady the rifle when you want to make that precision shot. The other thing a sling does is it's a holster for your rifle. What happens when you have to drop it or you have to use your hands for something? All right, the sling, especially in a defensive situation, is what keeps the rifle with you, especially when you're not able to keep both hands on it. All right, so number one is a sling. Get a quality sling. Definitely look at a two-point sling, especially the two-point adjustable ones. My, my favorite ones out of this one are going to be the Viking Tactics, the Blue Force Gear Vickers, uh, Magpul. They've all got good ones, all right? So sling. Number two, you need a light. <laughs> All right, so a good quality weapon light. And this goes back to the basic rules of, of shooting, of gun safety, is that you don't want to point the rifle at anything that you don't intend to shoot. All right, so that could be a target. That could be somebody in your house at 2 o'clock in the morning. And the light is how you identify what that thing is that you're pointing a rifle at. All right, so if it happens to be uh, a kid who went downstairs to get some milk Milk in the middle of the night, you don't want to be pointing your AR-15 at a shadowy figure that could be your kid. That's, that's just the bottom line. You need a light on that thing so you can identify what you're pointing at, as well as use it for tactical things like, like oh, dazzling people and blinding. That's not my specialty, so I'm not going to advocate for that. I'm just saying you need, you need a light <laughs> and a good one. All right, don't go cheap on that. You need it to be reliable. And number three, you need a sighting mechanism. Now, I did say iron sights. If you've got iron sights, cool, run them. I'm not someone who's going to say that iron sights are the fundamentals and you have to learn irons before you buy something else. But I am going to say is if you've got iron sights and you don't have a lot of extra money, don't go buy the cheapest red dot sight you can find just to put on the rifle. You're probably better off with those iron sights until you can afford something a little bit more quality. Now, what is quality in this context? Spend a few hundred bucks. You can look at Hollow Sun, Swamp Fox. There's a lot of good brands out there that make things that are very affordable. We've come a long way in the last 10 years about the cost of a quality red dot site. Beyond that, you start getting to magnification, which is no longer your inside the house kind of distances. Okay. But that is the first three upgrades you should worry about. Stop worrying about the stock and the pistol grip and ambidextrous safeties and all the fancy stuff that people like to hang on their rifles so they look really cool for the internet. They are not important. What is important is those three things and a lot of practice time. Okay, a lot of good quality practice because the goal is to build your capability, your capability. Now, another question that'll come up to me because I know it's outside of that whole, I bought a basic rifle or which rifle should I buy? But here's, here's the, the sling lights and sights. What about free-floated versus non-free-floated handguards? Look, Bottom line, it matters, but it doesn't matter enough just yet, right? So run what you have until you decide what you really do and don't need. There's a lot of advantages to a free-floated barrel, absolutely. I'm never going to tell you don't buy a nice railed gun, especially because they're so common these days. But if all you can really afford is a plastic hand-guarded triangle front sight post, which frankly is one of my favorite configurations anyway, hey, it's going to work. It'll work just fine. Don't worry about it. Go shoot the gun. Go get that practice. Go get training. Go buy some practice ammo, 10 magazines, some extra gear, and worry about building your capability first before you worry about what the rifle can do.
And that is my key takeaway for the day. Build your capability first before you worry about what the rifle can do. All right, so let's wrap this one up. Thank you for listening. Come on by the website at everydaymarksman.co. And if you could do me a favor is share this episode with somebody else who you think needs to hear it. And if you want to support our website and our community, come on by everydaymarksman.co forward slash support. And that's going to take you directly to our support page. It's run by Kofi, as in buy me a coffee, K-O-F-I. And there for the cost of a box of ammo, you can keep all of this great content coming and support our great community of marksmen. All right, that is it for me. I will see you next week. And next week, to continue this conversation about different kinds of configurations, I am talking to Lothane of the New Rifleman about the M16A5. What's the M16A5, you ask? I am glad you want to know. So come on back next week, and we are going to talk about it. Until then, have a great week. See ya.